0: You're listening to Run With The Bulls, a podcast discussing a unique approach to everyday finance with everyday people. Run With The Bulls is sponsored by Mentoro, a financial wellness company. Now your hosts, author Danny Kofke and the royalty of financial wellness, Whitney Queen. Welcome to Run With The Bulls. My name is Danny Kofke and I'm a motivational mentor with Mentoro and I'm joined by the president of Mentoro, Whitney Queen. Hey,
1: Whit. Hey, Danny. And hello to everyone listening. So I'm super excited for today's episode. We're on location. Mm -hmm. We're actually here in Watkinsville at ESP.
0: And Whitney, do you know what major city Watkinsville is next to? Atlanta. Nope, nope. (laughs) I'll give you a hint. It's home of the back-to-back national champions. Who would that be? It's not Alabama. That's a guess. (laughs)
1: It's the Georgia Bulldogs. That's it. That's it. Yes. Go, dogs. That's it. Like... I, I haven't heard. I haven't you haven't? Heard. No, no one's
0: ever reminded you of that? Oh, no. okay. Well, just in case you didn't know, now you know. But uh, I am really, really excited as well because we are joined today by Laura Hope Whitaker and the CEO of Extra Special People. And we're going to talk about like Whitney and I, our wives have kind of found us in our job, but Laura has an amazing story to share about how her why found her, or basically how her job chose her. Yeah. So welcome, Laura. Thanks for joining us.
2: I'm so happy you guys are here, and welcome to our home. <laughs> Athens is a pretty cool place.
0: It is. It, it is. is.
2: It is. It is. It it is. is. Go dogs. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's it. That's it. That's why you're. On. It's the end of the episode. That's all we need. <laughs> so um, so we're gonna jump right into this, and I'm gonna start with you, Whitney. I'll put you in the hot seat. Mm-hmm. How did your wife find you?
1: Yeah, um, I think like. Uh, you and what i'm assuming you somewhat accidentally but i'm very thankful that it did i um had moved to atlanta i i had moved from new york back to atlanta to be closer to family and i just wanted something stable and normal to really jumpstart my career and so i joined a wealth management firm working in marketing and, um, thought, you know, I'll do this for a couple of years before I really kind of get my sea legs and figure out where I want to go. And then I started working with our CEO, Rick Kent, and I, he had a project, um, called financial wellness that he was working on. It was a division of his firm and I just fell in love with it. I fell mm-hmm. in love with the principle of it. I grew up with, um, my mom being an educator. And so was very familiar with the education system and knew that there was, a. a a lack of financial education in school systems. And if you're not fortunate to have parents or guardians show you the ropes and and be there with you through life, where do you go? And so just the mission of being able to help educate people on their finances um, became near and dear to me. And thankfully, uh, Rick said, all right, well, let's do this thing. And so um, here we are today as Um, Mentorov.
0: Yeah, you know, for me... And we're gonna to get to Laura's story in one sec, cause hers is uh, so amazing. Um, but but mine, you know, I'd always wanted to to do more. Like even when I was teaching special ed, I'm like, okay, I want to I want to be a businessman. You know, a businessman sounds kind of cool to fly around. <laughs> one year I, I I left teaching. I was in an investment company. I spent the night in a hotel 75 nights in the course of a school year. And you know, a Hampton Inn breakfast. Just by Wednesday, it just kind of gets, old. gets so, old. So I realized, Those you know eggs. what, this, this, Yeah, this it's really not what it's cracked up <laughs> to be. Got back into teaching. And then, you know, I've always had a love for personal finance and teaching. So I was, I got back in, I was doing a severe, profound class. Um, that's why extra special people mean so much Sad to me, what you guys do. Um, and I really, I was like, you know what, I've done all I can do. This is, this is where God has put me and I'm ready. And this is, I'm just, I'm even go get my master's. I'm, I'm in special ed the rest of my life. This is it. And then I get a phone call from Whitney. She's like, hey, and we started talking. And then, you know, it's one of those things, like we say in life, uh, you know, we plan and God laughs at us and says, you're doing this. So still a teacher, um, just teaching a different subject now, love helping people manage their money. And, you know, life's about seasons. You never know what happens. But, um, you know, that's kind of for me, how my my job, my why found me. Mm -hmm. But Laura, your story is is so amazing. So kind of want to hear about you. And I know you related as how your job found you. So go ahead. I want to hear about
2: it. Yeah. I always say like, sometimes you choose your job and other times it chooses Mm -hmm. you. And, um, in my case, it found me pretty early. Um, I grew up in Atlanta and Marietta and, um, you know, my parents always volunteered. They were on boards of directors and You know, I like to say, now that I'm raising kids, what you do today is oftentimes what your children will one day display. Mm -hmm. And so when I came to the University of Georgia down I-85 and 316, Mm -hmm. just like thousands of college students do Mm -hmm. every single year, um, I knew as an 18-year-old, I wanted to find a place to volunteer. And so um, it was actually my ex-boyfriend's sister that introduced me to ESP. And um very thankful. You know, we didn't work out, but it was a good contribution he <laughs> sure. made to our relationship. <laughs> that People it. come and go for a reason in your life. And <laughs> yep. she introduced me to ESV, and I absolutely fell in love. It was this little tiny place where people with disabilities, all different disabilities, cerebral palsy, autism, Down syndrome, kids with tracheotomies and G-tubes mm-hmm. and seizure disorders and all types of things would roll into this tiny little 1,200-square-foot building and it was like their disability melted away and they were loved and celebrated for who they were instead of for who they weren't. And I was just captivated by this place and I couldn't get enough. It was like a high that I like couldn't get enough of. And, um, and so I started volunteering. As a matter of fact, Martha, our founder, um, I came up to her and asked like my favorite question, which is how can I help after the very mm-hmm. first time I came? And she's like, you can run music next month at our club program. And I'm like, you have no idea. I am the <laughs> last person that needs to lead music. But I leaned in and I took it and I brought my boom box. Oh, awesome. remember boom box. Oh, yes, Yeah,
0: Whitney may not. I do. Right, I do. <laughs> right, with my little like silly song CDs yes. and came in
2: here and totally made a fool out of myself. And I watched her just sit there smirking at me. And, um, and that was my first entry into leadership. And over the next year, I got to know her and served on the leadership team at summer camp the following summer. We were serving about 60 kids at the time. Okay. And it was that summer she sat us down, 30 college students, and shared with us that she had been diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. Mm. And um, she looked at all of us and kind of said, ESP, you and me, which is like part of our ESP song, like you guys take the reins and figure it out. And so um, for about a year, we figured it out. There was a team of us that kind of band together, ran camp together. And it was December of 2005. I got a phone call, and I was asked by her husband and daughter, would I, quote, run camp next summer? (laughs) And I was 19, about to turn 20, my sophomore year of college. And it was the worst, best decision that mm-hmm. I've ever made. I didn't know what I didn't know at 19. Sure. I didn't sure. know about P&Ls. I didn't know about risk management. I didn't know any of that. Mm-hmm. And I also didn't know that we had a $50,000 deficit at that point. So I needed to raise the $50,000 deficit. I needed to hire 30 of my friends to work at summer camp. I needed to plan wow. summer camp. I needed to figure out a way for all of the things to happen, pull in all of these kids with disabilities. For and you still have can, homework
0: to do, too, right? And still finish my <laughs> sophomore year of college. Yes, yes. Um, wow.
2: And that was my my first entry into leadership. And um, it's been 19 years that I've been here and I've been able to watch it grow and thrive.
0: So what was your major?
2: My major, undergraduate and grad degree, was in special education. So it was. Yes. So were
0: you going to yes. be a teacher? Is that what you? Had was. planned was, and you know, okay.
2: I probably would have been a pretty terrible teacher. I loved <laughs> like the research, and I, but I like listen. We have a we have a fundraiser where we send people out of airplanes to to skydive. Like I would have been a terrible teacher because I would have wanted to take our kids everywhere and, and that's yeah. not on IEP, start so can... all the businesses <laughs> and do all right. right i think that the guidelines of that probably yes. I, I, yes god knew i needed to go in a different direction right. and use my mm-hmm. my gifts and abilities in a different way right yeah. did
0: you end up graduating did you get your degree i did i did got you? my undergraduate okay. degree okay. and then i
2: went on and got my master's degree once i graduated i had the choice do i get a teaching job which mm-hmm. i had a couple teaching jobs lined up and then um and then i had the option um to go back to school for grad school and then and they would pay me to go for an assistantship. Okay. And I was like, okay, so they'll pay me to go to grad school and I can still do ESP. I think that's the option I'll yeah. do. I have a little yeah. bit more flexibility yes. in my schedule. And um and so that's what I did. I, I kept going. And then midway through my master's degree is when um I got pregnant with my first child. So that definitely threw me for a sure. loop. But yeah. um it was it was a gritty time and a time that I look back on regularly. Like If I could get through grad school, running ESP with a (laughs) deficit, being 21 years old, having my first child at 23, the strain of that Mm -hmm. not getting a paycheck for several years,
1: um, I can really get through anything at this point. If I get through that point. Yeah. 100%. That's so impressive. So, so impressive. I'm thinking of myself when I was 21 to 23 and... It was not even <laughs> remotely close to anything with any level you know of responsibility. You know what, though, if you
2: were here, and I always say this, like if you were here and you experienced what I experienced, I think a lot of people would have done what I did, and I think that I was, I was just positioned in the right place and had, um, you know, rallied people around me to help, and that was the first thing I did was call for help. You know, and right. surrounded mm-hmm. myself with smarter and better people than I were to. To help me like garner what I needed at that time, and um, I really don't think it was anything that spectacular. I think it was a lot of my faith. I think God was a big part of it, and then our community that like rallied around me.
0: Oh I beg yeah. to differ. When but, I walk around this place, yeah. I think uh, I think you had a role to play. So, uh maybe a I mean, yeah, a small role. Yeah, <laughs> a small one. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so while it's neat when. Um, your wife finds you. That's not the end of the story. Obviously, money plays a really, really big role in how all of this transpires, I'm sure. So coming up after the break, we're going to see how money has played a role in this.
0: Like what you are hearing on Run With The Bulls? Want a little more? Visit mymentoro.com and use organization code Bulls to set up your free account today. Welcome back. So in this episode, we're discussing when your why finds you or when your job chooses you. And we're being joined by Laura Hope Whitaker, CEO of Extra Special People. So we had talked about before the break that money plays a big role in this, right? I mean, it's great that, hey, I'm doing something I love, but passion alone doesn't pay the bills, doesn't pay your employees' bills, doesn't you know, cover the AC and all those types of things. So how do you balance having the money to still kind of do your why?
2: yeah. You know, I mean, it, it's it's an everyday question, right? And it's grown substantially over the years. I mean, we we started with sixty kids. We're now serving over a thousand individuals wow. and their families, and we never charge a family more than twenty five percent of what it costs us. So that means that more than seventy five percent needs to be raised year round, mm-hmm. and that's a that's a bucket that empties every year, and we have to replenish it, mm-hmm. right? And um, so I think both personally and professionally, um, it's been a big focus. You know, ESP operates as a business. And while we're a nonprofit and we have a nonprofit mission, we have to function as a business organization. Mm -hmm. And part of that is making sure that we are wise with donor funds and that we're good stewards and we have a fiduciary responsibility to our donors and to our community. Um, And that's everything from the salaries that we give our staff all the way to Um, The things that we purchase and making a good decision to maybe choose one store of the other because we can save a few dollars here Mm -hmm. and there, but it all adds up. And um, and honestly, it's been really nice um, in a lot of ways to be able to think about and be in touch with our donors because I have people in mind Mm -hmm. that I am constantly thinking about when I'm thinking about spending their money and how we are a wise, need to be a wise steward um, of the funds that come Mm -hmm. in. And that trust
0: that donors Mm -hmm.
2: have in us is really, really important, and that trust can be broken very quickly. Um, And so we, we, over the years, whether it was, um, you know, when we had 60 kids or now that we have 1,000 individuals and we have much more staff, um, it's really, really important for
1: us to be a wise steward. I can only imagine, not to mention the expectations that donors may have for what you Uh should be doing or should not, even if they're not familiar with the industry. I can just... So you mentioned that you kind of have to treat, even though it's a nonprofit, you have to treat this like a business. And um, I would think that uh, even still you're facing vastly different challenges or at least additional challenges um, than a CEO for a for-profit might. I'm curious if you can speak to some of those challenges. Yeah. I mean, the first one that comes
2: to mind is with inflation and with, the cost of goods going up. Yeah. I can't turn around like another business owner and increase my costs.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Right? If you think about it, mm-hmm. a grantor, even a foundation, is is not giving me 20% more just right. because of inflation. Right. I'm not turning around and charging our families. Right. You just said 25% 20% right. more, Right. right? Mm-hmm. And so they're they're dealing with the same type of challenges. Mm-hmm. And so because we're a nonprofit and because we're committed. To never turning a family away because of their finances, their ability to pay, their family mm-hmm. situation, or their disability. We have to be really creative with what yeah. that looks like. Yes. And um, we that means we have to be more vigilant as it relates to fundraising and mm-hmm. storytelling and mm-hmm. reminding people why we do what we do yeah. so that we can continue to receive um, the donations and support from our community, thus offsetting the costs of inflation. And that's probably the biggest one. Um, the other kind of interesting thing and kind of like weird thing about nonprofits, and we're beginning to see this change, um, but it's, it's kind of bizarre how people look at administrative fees for nonprofits. Mm-hmm. Like people want to know how many cents to a dollar goes directly towards the mission. And I'm like, what CEO would you ask that? Like when right. you go buy bread, do mm-hmm. you think about when yeah. you go to a restaurant? Do right. you think about the administrative right.
0: costs? Jeff that? Bezos. When I buy a book on Amazon, how much are right. I know? Yeah, right, it's and true. yet we
2: want excellent nonprofits, yes. and we want to provide a an awesome mission, and yet we are we are right. pigeonholing right. leaders in the nonprofit sector with this administrative fee, which yeah. means that we're afraid to pay people well, and we're afraid to provide excellent benefits mm-hmm. and things like that, Great, a great staff retreat. Mm-hmm. And so quite honestly, I, I don't listen to that anymore, yeah. and I don't let That's it drive good. the decision-making. If I can hire great people, if I can retain them, if I can provide a great culture back to, I'm going to be a great steward of my donor funds. But if that means retaining a good staff member, if that means spending a little bit more money in order to go on a staff retreat and provide a great beneficial opportunity for the culture of our team, I'm going to do it. Because ultimately what that does is it comes back around yes. to our mission and we serve our people better. Yeah. And, um, and so that's kind of an interesting thing it that is. CEOs of nonprofits have to deal with and answer the question of like, yeah, 99 cents of every dollar goes right. to directly to that participant. I'm like, well, also, I, there's a person serving that participant. Exactly. And so um, that one cent is important. Or in our case, that five cents sure. is important because I'm making sure that I'm not only providing an incredible experience for the participants that we serve, but we, we believe in activating the abilities of all people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that includes our staff. Mm-hmm. I'll give you mm-hmm. an example. Last week, um, our our full-time staff that have children, typical children, had the opportunity to come to camp last week. And there's a cost associated to that mm-hmm. for us. I mean, there's the t-shirt and the supplies. We paid extra staff. But what's so beautiful about it is that my children got to come and experience ESP. And while ESP may take away mommy here and there, I may oh. go on a business trip and I may be gone for mm-hmm. dinner or may not be able to tuck you in. Their experiences here and their connection to our mission makes our why even bigger. Yes,
0: you're planting seeds.
2: Yes. Planting seeds. And when I miss that dinner or I'm at a board meeting, mm-hmm. they get it. They right. see mommy here. Mm-hmm. And um, my, my third child... Um, The other two have been around a lot more, but my third one hasn't. He's been kind of scared of people in wheelchairs. And it's kind of like, I'm like, me of all people, my children should love people in wheelchairs. I'm like, what's going on? He's five. And last week, he was here for Kids Camp. And we spent this, we decided we're going to take a portion of our budget. And while our our donors that ask us the question about how many cents to the dollar may not love the fact that we're spending money on this, my son who's five years old, got to come and got to be around this. And the very end of the week, his counselors told me that they, they finished bowling early and they said, go find a camper that you want to hang out with and cheer for. And he walks over to this camper named Logan, who's in a wheelchair, nonverbal. And they said that my, my son Tate stuck to him. And helped him bowl every bowling, every lane, every yeah. every part of it, mm-hmm. and would not leave his side. And they have videos of, of it. And I was like, that, that's what it's about. That's that it's that about. makes that's me want, want to stay here five more years. Yeah. Yeah. As yeah. an employee yeah. of the organization, yeah. Yeah. what my son is getting mm-hmm. deposits much more than even yes. like the money that comes through the bank account. Right. Yeah. That yeah. is 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 huge to mm-hmm. me. And that's the kind of thing. Um, that we do here to try to invest in yeah. our employees yeah. when we can't invest financially, mm-hmm. we can be really creative in ways like that by providing. Right. Culture it, is
1: so so crucial. It's I huge. mean, and you've been in this long enough, you know that at night you're laying awake thinking about your employees just as much as you are laying awake thinking about the people that you serve Absolutely. and thinking you about, think about your donors about me at night? <laughs>
2: That's weird. <laughs>
1: about how uh, wonderful
0: Danny is, and yes, yeah. yeah, and that's what I that's <laughs> what I meant. I mean, <laughs> But no, I will say, like, but as a startup, I bet you can relate a lot. I mean, like, because we're very mindful. I mean, like, every dollar. I mean, you You have have to be. be
1: You have to be a good problem solver. You have to be. You know, constantly on your toes, thinking and you know, you speaking about your family. Which, thank you for sharing that. The toll that, that your obligation as a CEO of a nonprofit organization. I mean, your your husband and children have to be the CEO of the organization as well, thank and you. Yeah. and be willing to give to the mission and understand the mission. So I can certainly um, I can certainly understand that absolutely, and especially right now. I mean, you've got you've got people poaching your staff members and
2: trying to. I mean, it's a, Mm -hmm. it's a 24 hour job sometimes. And for those of us that are leaders, it doesn't stop at 5 PM. I mean, it doesn't stop for a lot of us, but if you're, if you're the leader, your mind never stops. And Mm -hmm. it's constant, there's constantly a donor who wants to talk at 8 PM or a meeting (laughs) I've got to go to early morning. And, Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, it, it can be challenging. And Quite honestly, being a mom, you know, cultures, expectations of being a mom in general. And then you throw three. Yeah. Leading Mm. the organization onto that. And the expectations of a boss right now matched with the expectations of being a mother can be extremely taxing. So, yeah. yeah.
0: So we walked around. We got a, a, a nice tour, and we saw the awesome baseball field and the playground. So obviously, those came, you know, from, from fundraising. What are some things like right now? Probably your biggest thing that you're looking towards the future that you're hoping to, you know, build. I guess in the next, say, three to five years.
2: Oh man, love talking about this. I'm totally a visionary. Love to build things. Um, the minute that we had the the ball field funded, we started on our next project. <laughs> okay. So, mm-hmm. um, one of the interesting things I mentioned. When I first was here at ESP and we served 60 participants and we were in this small little gym and 2016, we built this 14,000 square foot building, eliminated the waiting list. Now we serve over a thousand individuals. Well, we're back to 2016 again, where we're at a wait list. Mm -hmm. And because of that, there's just this challenging tension that I think that we all feel in the nonprofit sector, which is we can't keep up with Mm -hmm. the demand and some, in some ways, it's like a product of our own success. You know, we're doing marketing. Absolutely. And we're doing outreach for <laughs> donations. But along with that comes families that hear about us. Mm-hmm. And, in fact, it's families that move from Columbus, Georgia, because they send their child here one week. And then they're like, this is a community. Forget my family. Forget my job. I'm moving to Athens, Georgia. And so because of that, we're at that place again where mm-hmm. we have a wait list again. And so um, – Several years ago, we um, inherited a property in Jackson County, which is like down the I-85 corridor, and uh, we own a little under 100 acres out there where eventually we are going to put an overnight camp where individuals that have any mobility challenge or individuals in wheelchairs will have the opportunity to sleep on the top bunk. Um, that was my favorite thing about going to camp when I was eight. And so, um, if you have a mobility challenge, you've never had that ability to sleep Mm -hmm. on the top bunk, but really, Mm -hmm. it's an opportunity. Top bunk has become a phrase that just encapsulates universal design and the ability Mm -hmm. for every person, a child in a wheelchair and a child not in a wheelchair, to experience camp the exact same way. Yes, and so, because we have this wait list, and because we're not at a place where we can build the overnight camp yet, because we're talking talking 50 million dollars to build something like we want to build um we are going we are well on our way to um to launching and beginning the first part of the process of phase one out there okay and phase one will provide a duplicate campus to this um with a pool and some uh, playground and a ball field a gym and once we build the camp we'll use both Sites for overnight camp but phase one will allow us to eliminate the waiting list here and be able to serve more participants um through our programs year-round so haven't started fundraising for that yet (laughs) um so we'll be doing that the next couple years and then the minute that we raise the funds out there we will put shovels in the ground and get to work building something similar to this
1: that's so exciting yeah
2: so So, we're excited. excited
1: Yeah, rightly so. Um, So talking about funding, and you mentioned inflation earlier and trying to raise funds, especially for a big project, not to mention keeping the lights on here. Um, What are some unique strategies that you do to be thrifty to make sure that you're a good steward and to continue to raise those funds?
2: Gosh, you know, um, one of the biggest things, I think this has been a big shift for us over this last year. Um, You know, it used to be like Laura managing the budget. And now it is our leadership team managing the budget. And I think empowering people and as many layers as possible to have a budget and stick to the budget um, has really helped kind of streamline the thought process of we do have a budget and we do want to stick to the budget. We call
0: that the B word that Mentor. The, the B word, the B word. And, you know, it's always, you know, so funny.
2: And we're in the season where we're setting it up for the next year. And it's always just so cumbersome. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, my gosh, it's going to cost what? Um, mm-hmm. But I do think that empowerment and responsibility from the ground up, I mean, even for our leadership team who are college counselors, who are sophomores and juniors in college have a budget for their unit. And that's really always kind of been within our organization like I remember getting um $200 in cash and a little bank bag
1: uh-huh.
2: as a unit leader and it was like figure out a way to do all of your activities for the summer and decorate your unit with $200 of cash. And I had to remember where that bank bag was keep it, not Mm -hmm. spend it on anything else Mm -hmm. and make sure that I managed my budget well, because I had to make it through the entire summer. So I think that's, that's definitely, um, one way I think adding benefits and, and our culture, well, other people might be able to leave and get, um, a job, um, with a higher salary, providing a culture that people want to be around, whether it's their Mm -hmm. kids get to go to kids camp or they're really celebrated for their abilities and put in a seat, where their Mm -hmm. abilities can be maximized. Mm -hmm. Um, Or
0: you just have fun and laugh and smile. I mean, we have
2: dance parties and do confetti cannons (laughs) all the time. Mm -hmm. And being around camp, gosh, I mean, it's like you truly get to see the work that you're doing. And even even if you're in an administrative role, looking out the window and getting to see kids come in for Welcome Wagon and their name is being chanted and yeah. the parents are crying. I mean, it's like that yes. is, you are a part of something bigger than yourself. Yes. And so that's kind of a way that we also Such a key. strategize yeah. to keep
1: costs slow. I can see that completely. Um, more heads are always better then when, yes. <laughs> that at least that's my belief, and you touched yes. on it earlier. Um, I need to surround myself with people who are smarter than me and more capable than me. And we've uh, struggled as a startup with a similar situation of budget. You know, it used to be like just go ask Whitney, and then after a while, Whitney's like I can't, I don't know. <laughs> I, don't I, don't have, also, I, have, I don't want to. Also, yes, I don't want to. Yeah, sounds yes. great. Yes. But you know, it's way better for me to empower the people on my team to make those. They know better than me anyway. Right. So as long as we can have some parameters and some guidelines, it makes it much easier to deploy those strategies and think creatively and solve problems. Well, so.
0: I get a, a bank envelope With some cash in it? Is that coming next? (laughs) (laughs)
1: Yes, coming right up. Coming right up, coming right up. up. Although you can't spend the cash anywhere. (laughs) I know, right? You (laughs) have to have a card everywhere you go. So it's pretty much useless. That's
0: it. True. 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 So true. Well, thank you so much for right now sharing all this great information with us. And coming up after the break, we're going to put you back in the hot seat. Uh oh. Connect with us on social media search at Mentoro Group on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. And we're back. Once again, we're being joined by the CEO of Extra Special People, Laura Hope Whitaker. So Laura, we've talked about, you know, how rewarding your job is, but I also know there's a flip side to that. So I was a special needs teacher for 10 years, and uh, I know some days are probably, probably pretty draining. So how do you take care of both your mental and your physical health
2: yeah man it's it's the age-old question right Mm -hmm. um taking over when i was 19 i had to do all the things all the time and i only learned one speed Mm -hmm. like i literally only have one speed Mm -hmm. and i think as i've gotten older and Mm -hmm. now i have three children my capacity level is different right and Mm -hmm. um i think you know sometimes i'm good at it and sometimes i'm not great at it um One thing that's become a regular rhythm and part of my life that's really helped sustain me is I learned a lot more about the practice of Sabbath, and I did a lot of studying. So in 2020, I was strongly encouraged. We built um, a sabbatical program here at ESP, and every five full-time years that you are here, you get a two-week sabbatical, Mm. and you get to go anywhere you want, and we don't pay for the sabbatical, but we give you an additional two weeks off. And, um, and so I took my sabbatical and at the end of 2020, after a very challenging year for everybody, but we never closed our doors. Not like a day we delivered meals. We did parking lot parades. We did emergency respite. So by the time I reached November of 2020, I was exhausted. There was tragic stories. There were hard things that we dealt with. You can imagine, you know, our families, you know, being home, they weren't, They weren't practicing for the British baking show. They weren't
0: (laughs) redecorating their (laughs) homes. They were
2: taking care of their children with surviving with severe autism and challenging medical needs. And so anyway, at the end of 2020, I went on a sabbatical and really learned about rest and about the breath and about the power of closing off my mind to social media and work and all the things and pulled back. And I was gone for an entire month. Did you just um, go by yourself? I was by myself for 10 days. I was with my husband for a week. And then I was with my best friend, Jenny, for a week. Okay. So it was a long time to be away from the kids. um, But I really learned a lot about myself. I've been around people my whole life. I started my job when I was 19. So figuring out what what God was speaking to me yeah. what who I was I, it was a very life-changing experience and I'm so just curious did then, you go somewhere
0: like where it was complete quiet like or did you go was I it a destination did. it was just quiet
2: I, I went I went to Hawaii okay so I went four thousand miles away from here right. and it was beautiful my mentor helped support my uh, plane ticket mm-hmm. we saved up and budgeted so my sure. husband could come and then I was, yeah, I was by myself in Hawaii for ten days, and wow. um, didn't look at the TV it was during the election, so I didn't even know who won the election. Oh my, how Probably a nice. great thing. It was awesome. It yeah. was nice. awesome. Someone told yes. me I was doing yoga on the beach, and someone was like, "Congratulations, Georgia! You guys!" And I'm like, "What are you guys talking about? I don't. I have, I have no idea what you're talking." And about. And your life wasn't
0: any different. <laughs> who was elected, right? It didn't right. even change. Imagine it that. Didn't even so, change. No. Yeah. And it was beautiful, yeah. and
2: I learned how to breathe, and that was like one of the most cool. beautiful things. And so. All that to say, I started studying the practice of Sabbath, and um, every Sunday our family shuts down. So we go to church, and mm-hmm. then we do no technology. We do, um, we do every like things like walks. We walk to dinner. I don't cook. We don't. I climb over my laundry. We don't do anything like that. And okay. that has been probably the most life giving thing is just that habit that I know every Sunday. I can kind of re, like a reset. heal, yeah. reset, and then I have a little more mm-hmm. umph. Um, and the Sundays that I have to work or that I don't get to do it, man, I feel it the rest yeah. of the week. Um, so it's kind of a one practice that I yeah, do. Yeah, like um, and then mentally, just like being able to, unlo- I have this mailbox thing that I do where there's my poor neighbors. When you first go into my neighborhood, I mentally unload all of my junk. Into their mailbox, and it's just a practice that I have done for the last five or six years. And then I go home and I try my best to leave that junk in the mailbox and then pick it back up when I I leave to go to work and it just gives me a mental practice of reminding every time i see that mailbox it's a trigger for me to remember to kind of like unload it and pick nice. it up i it. love that i, I have one too. neighbor in
1: particular i would probably put all your junk in <laughs> put Everybody a lot that neighbor <laughs> it just feels I good i'm probably yeah. that neighbor for some too. so for both parties <laughs> that's yeah. yeah that's it <laughs> so i love that that's so interesting yeah. i'm going to have to look into it um Speaking of lessons learned, and stiffing back a little bit to finances, um, I'd be interested in hearing from you. What's your biggest kind of financial lesson that you've learned throughout this journey? Oh
2: man, I've learned so many. Um, I've made so many mistakes. I've I have I have learned so many financial lessons. I think um, probably the biggest one I'll never forget. I was when I was nineteen. I had to put together our first budget and present it to the United Way and um, my board member told me one thing and it was like just don't cry like just don't get up there and cry just like act like you know what you're doing and um, and so right beforehand he sat me down and he like walked me through the different levels of the budget so that I could answer all the questions mm-hmm. that they were gonna ask and we were hoping at the time that they would invest in us again and um, the biggest thing I learned is I didn't know what I didn't know, and there are people around me who can help. Mm-hmm. And, you know, now it's so interesting. I sit on the board of a bank, and, again, I'm, like, back in that seat where I'm, like, what are they saying? What is that <laughs> acronym? How like, did I get here?
0: What? And I think it's, yeah. like,
2: sometimes we like to puff out our chest and, like, pretend like we know. And even 19 years in to running an organization, and I've been through 19 budgets, and I've been through all – I still don't know what I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I'm learning a lot about investment right now. And um, I'm learning what, and and just being, I think the biggest lessons I've learned saying, I don't, can you explain this to me? Yep. Mm -hmm. And being willing to be humble enough. And I've learned so much because I've been willing to say like, I, I don't understand. Like, can you explain that to right. me? Yeah, right. And also, it's such a gift to the people around you for them to be able to teach you yeah. and for mm-hmm. them to be able to use their gifts and abilities if they're in the financial sector to teach you what you may not know. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's probably the biggest lesson. It's not like a certain financial sure. thing, but quite it's, honestly, it's it's just
1: humility and being willing to, to ask for help. It's such a great one, I think, and one that we see all the time with our members is just having, be, being vulnerable. Yes. Yes. no one wants to be vulnerable right. these days so it's right. it's. there's a lot to learn from that
0: yeah well and I'll say you are that way as a leader like I think you're probably very similar to Laura. like you like You'll come to other team members. I don't understand this. Can you help me out? Which Mm -hmm. I think is great for, I mean, that's that's why you have good people working for you because it is one of those, I mean,
2: no, but it's also better talking
0: to someone to like really explain it, like, and make it understand. So that is, so I love that. Um, So I'll throw myself under the bus first. So I actually, when I guess I was 24, knew nothing about depreciation. So I bought a brand new car. So that was Uh my worst financial. Uh What was your first, your worst financial? I didn't know you were going to ask
2: this question, but the first thing that comes to my mind, I just know what it is. Um, So I was running ESP, I was not married yet, and um, I was living paycheck to paycheck, trying to get through college and all of that. And um, my mom and I um, bought a condo together. And of course it was right before 2008. So mm. that in and of itself mm. was, was not a great purchase and didn't do great things for my, we ended up selling it um, later on, but it hurt my credit and all that kind of stuff. But in addition to that, right after we bought the condo um, for some reason, I thought I should buy a dog.
0: <laughs> Go hand in hand, right? a condo. And I literally
2: like <laughs> scraped together the cash to buy this dog Mm -hmm. and this dog it was a terrible dog and what happens when
0: I'm
2: running ESP I'm in college and I'm owning and I own a condo and I bought a dog and I'm like and then the dog needs food and the dog needs training well I could never afford the training so it was a bad dog so all that to say um rest in peace Keller but she was not (laughs) the
0: best investment
2: and um, when we had our, our son, we ended up giving her to another family who had a farm and like all the resources. And at that point, we could, it was sure. fine. But all that to say, I mean, I feel like I lived with that decision of not being able to send her to dog school because I could not financially <laughs> afford it forever and ever. Right, and right. so it took me a very long time to be ready to buy a dog again. Even when my finances changed, it just <laughs> right. was like yeah. one of those things. Yeah. 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 Hey,
1: a it a good, yeah it's a good
0: lesson. Yeah, yeah. I love that. I love that lesson. Yeah.
1: Yes. So, um, you know, looking at the reasons for extra special people, um, and I want to be able to help our listeners and our our members know what they can do to support you. Um, so I'd love to hear a little bit from you as to where people can find you, how they can help, how they can jump in to help families um that have children with extra special needs.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Well, gosh, I mean, if you're in the state of Georgia, um, ESP serves the Northeast, Northeast Corridor and now the Northwest Corridor in Rome, Georgia. We're also in Marietta, um, serving in Marietta, so anywhere kind of in that area. Um, you can get a cup of coffee at the Mercedes-Benz Stadium with Java Joy, Section mm-hmm. 116. There's lots of different ways you That's can cool. get involved. Um, cool. Everything from as a family, come serve at a family dinner. We have family dinners once a month at all three locations. Um, that's a way that you can get involved. You can donate, you can, be, you can invest in our mission. And what's beautiful about when you donate to ESP is you will constantly get stories of the people mm-hmm. that you're supporting. So that investment will constantly be in your inbox, something you can share as a family. We'll send you a little garden flag um, with the ESP mm-hmm. logo so you can talk to your family about why you choose to support ESP. Um, you can attend an event, we jump out of airplanes, we, um, we have a special needs pageant in February with a big gala here in Athens, Georgia that people come from all over the state. Um, we have a golf tournament, um, there's all types of things to be involved with. And then I think last, um, a way to be involved with ESP and the mission of ESP is part of our mission is teaching people how to engage people with disabilities. We do it through our employment program called Java Joy. If you're a business owner and you want to book Java Joy, we drive and we provide a DEI experience. I can speak about neurodiversity in your business and then you can have our Joy to serve, a cup of coffee and a hug to your business. Um, and simply just engaging with people with disabilities in your community. It doesn't have to be with ESB. You know, oftentimes I say that awkward is the first step to aha. And it's just like leaning into the awkwardness sometimes. Mm -hmm. So you may be at your local Mexican restaurant or your local Publix or wherever you are and our temptation based on our own experiences with people with disabilities, maybe we are afraid of offending them or saying the Mm -hmm. wrong thing. And in my experience, working with hundreds of people with disabilities and their families is they would rather you lean in. Mm -hmm. They would rather you engage and connect with them and compliment their cute shirt or ask questions, or when your kids ask questions about them, oftentimes they're never offended. They just want right. the engagement. They're more offended if we turn away and pretend they're not there. So I think an important part of our mission is just teaching people, no matter who you are, you can engage with people who are different. And I believe that you'll be better for it. With the yes. with that exchange, we see those exchange happen all the time. And, um, and leaning into that awkwardness is a way that you can continue to serve the people that we serve. Yes. I love that. Yeah, I do too. Yeah.
0: So we're almost there. Um, probably the most important question we're going to ask today. So here at Mentoro, some of us like to go down rabbit holes. Okay. Whitney usually just rolls her eyes. Yes. Yeah. What is your favorite conspiracy theory?
2: My favorite conspiracy Yes. <laughs> oh my gosh, this is really funny. Um, my favorite conspiracy theory, really the only one that I've ever like really dug deep on is, um... The Jean Ramsey, Okay. Katie Perry uh, you're going way back, way back. <laughs> I want to believe that Katy Perry is Jean Ramsey. I really do. Yeah. I have go- I have seen side by side photos. I think it's her. It's uncanny. It is uncanny and crazy. And actually, the church that we are in in Marietta for ESP Jean Benet is apparently buried at that church. And I'm like, no, right? she's not, because she's Katy Perry.
0: <laughs> so I love it. That's, that's amazing. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's so amazing.
0: But you may have made Whitney a fan yeah. of conspiracy theories now. I, I think we no, found. Her. Usually,
1: you know, they always say something that's political, and it just makes what? me roll my no. eyes. No, so I'm sorry, absurd. I went totally different. <laughs> this one, yes, this one I can get behind. I can. <laughs>
0: oh, you're a firework, <laughs> <laughs> literally.
1: All right. Well, that was too much fun. Um that does it for this episode. Laura, thank you so much thank for having for us here, yes. for talking to us, for parting wisdom on us. Um, we're so thankful. Thanks for coming to our home. Yes,
0: it's been fun. And uh, thank you for listening. Catch us next time as we run with the Bulls. Run with the Bulls is sponsored by Mentoro and hosted by Danny Kofke and Whitney Queen. Learn more by visiting mentorogroup.com.